Welcome to Heartspeak Podcast, episode 232, Nesting into Love, Job Well Done. Welcome to the Heartspeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world. It's good to be with you again. And thank you for your wonderful messages of support across the various social media platforms. Well, today, I felt it was right to say goodbye to an old friend. Not that the friend is actually leaving us permanently, but Pluto is making the decision to move out of Capricorn into Aquarius on the 24th of this month. But we'll only spend a short time in Aquarius before returning to Capricorn, middle of June, and then eventually going back into Aquarius in January of next year. But you know, it's like leaving anything. You want to say your farewells in good time, not right at the end. And for me, Pluto in Capricorn has been a very big part of my life, as it has for many of us, partly because I have Capricorn energy in my natal chart, Partly because I think we can all remember when it went in to Capricorn, which was 2008. And if you think back to 2008, there were some very dramatic events that took place then, especially with Pluto, the transformer, choosing to transform Capricorn-like institutions, corporations, of which I've spoken about a lot over these last years. And I would like to say that Pluto going into Aquarius won't have a big effect. But when I thought that to myself, I thought, well, it was a major effect in 2008. (laughs) So let's just say that Aquarius representing technology, especially communicative technology, satellites, uh, instruments, any thought of digital communication, computers, we could see something happening during this time, whether it's in the next few months or later again in January. So I'm just telling you that's out there. Aquarius is an air sign, therefore it's not necessarily about war. It's also quite an emotionless sign. It prefers to stay away from heavy emotions. So I don't think we're going to see that sort of energy. We're more likely to see something happening on the the technology side, as I say. But before we look at that in any more depth, and we do that in another podcast, I just wanted to speak to the Pluto in Capricorn. And again, just going back to the thought of looking back in your life and saying, what has happened to me since 2008 until now? So Capricorn is about integrity, responsibility, duty, of which I'm going to again talk a little bit more about. But Pluto transforms also all of those things in our life. So Pluto may have given you more responsibility or you may have chosen to take less responsibility, maybe be less dutiful. Or it could have been with Capricorn, it's about structure and organization. Maybe you've become involved with a new organization or you created a new organization out of an old one or you reorganized yourself, creating a new home or situation out of old fabrics. So what has been happening in your life? And 
I just get this sense that Capricorn is always seen as almost a, an end of a project. This is like a completion. That's why I called this podcast Job Well Done. So what have you, did you commit to in 2008 that you have completed or you are completing and you can say, job well done. Yes. You, you took up the challenge, which is very Capricorn-like, and you said, okay, I'll do this, and you've done it. And I thought back myself, I've certainly, I think I've written three books in that time. And for me, that's my projects. They're my children. And I know in 2008, I published the book that became very well known in the 2012 world. And I got very involved in everything leading up to 2012. Then I moved on into my women's work, of which many of you have been involved in, and wrote two books for that and created a course or two courses around that. Now I'm engaged much more in my natural world, the magic of mother nature world. But all of those times, I'm looking at those jobs and saying, job well done. And it really is so important. And this is why we're going to do a meditation at the end of this podcast, because sometimes we're always on to the next thing. We go, okay, I did that job, but now the next one's going to be even better. Or this is going to be the next thing I'm on to. And I know that when I've written books and I've like spent maybe months or years writing that book, the first thing that comes out of people's mouths are, so what's the next book on? It's like, let me breathe. Let me, let me be in the celebration of where I am. And I think that's often a situation that we find quite difficult to celebrate ourselves, to take time out, to rest. And as I say, this is a subject I'm going to move into just a little later in this podcast. So I want you to maybe write down or, as I did, consider what are you celebrating? What have you achieved? What mountain did you climb? Even though it would have been easier to go around the edges of the mountain, but Capricorns always climb a mountain. <laughs> so what mountain did you climb? What did you achieve? What challenge did you face? And it might have been a challenge to let something go because Pluto is all about dying to something so something new can be born. What have you let go of? What was the challenge to let go? might have been a relationship. It might have been a position you had in some organization. Where did you let go? And that energy is one that I want you to really write down, celebrate, do a little dance, and think about. Now, Pluto takes somewhere between 11 and 14 years to go through each sign. It varies depending on where the Pluto is at that time. I won't go into the astronomy of this. And I want to just go back a little bit because you may or may not know your own chart, but Pluto has this energy of really service. I think that's what I want to say, that Pluto in Capricorn is very much about service and responsibility and integrity and organization, but bringing about transformation of all of those things. And because of my own, I'll say Mars in Capricorn, <laughs> I have a very strong service-orientated life. And I think I'm not the only person. I believe or believed I'm on a mission. I believe there's some purpose to my life. I believe there's a reason for me being here. There's a goal. And maybe I think I'm here to serve or to help people. You know, all of those thoughts. And I'm just throwing those out because I think I'm talking to many of you who have that same belief. 
it might come in different ways. But when I hear people talk about, well, you know, the best thing you can do is be in service to others, give to others. I don't know if I know many people who don't do that every day of their life. And I get rather sick to death of listening to that, that dogma that says serve others, don't think of yourself, because ultimately the problems I just see so many people having is not thinking of themselves, putting themselves low on the list of priorities, which I know all about. And I tie in very much to the reason that I developed breast cancer so many years ago. I had lost the self that needed loving because I was so caught up in that dogma, often a religious dogma, if I may say, that taught me, you know, serve others, think of others, don't think of yourself, don't be selfish. And it didn't really serve me very well because I lost me in that process. And I think that's true of so many, especially women, if I may say, but men do the same thing. And that level of martyrdom, <laughs> which comes along with a very Protestant world, if I may say, if we know anything about the religions, is carry that cross, don't complain, say you're fine, I'm okay, don't receive, only give. And maybe it served a purpose at some time. But I always say that I went to martyr school rather than medical school because I learned not to sleep, not to eat, not to give myself time for anything. I was on call, 130 hours at sometimes. But it wasn't expected that I should complain and say, excuse me, I'd like to go and sleep now or eat now. Because I, if I might say, is a really good martyr. And us who are really good martyrs, and I'm maybe speaking to some of you, know how to say, I'm fine, I don't need help. Because we've been taught that those gifts that we're be given in heaven will come because we martyred ourselves, even though I always say we have arrows sticking in our body and we've only got one leg and half an eye and we go, it doesn't matter, we carry on because that's where we've been told we get the rewards in heaven. And I don't really believe that now. I believe to service is, is a fine quality, but we need to serve ourselves. And I certainly don't believe in service to sacrifice. And when I was a younger woman and I was having periods, I would bleed very heavily. And I really came to terms with the idea that I was bleeding for everybody else. I was willing to become so anemic because I was literally crying for everybody else. And it was really when the blood when I used to give blood and they said, I'm sorry, we don't want your blood because you're so anemic. I went, hmm, I think I have a problem here. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it. So where does this help you? I hope it does. It's about balance. Of course it is. It's about balance. It's about recognizing that if I have new, no energy in me, if I have no love for me, if I don't know how to look after myself, then how on earth can I take care of someone else? But that's what we're expected to do so often. So service, sacrifice, I think the greatest gifts I can give is to bring myself to the very best that I can be so I can serve you, not to come from a place of emptiness, a place of poverty, starvation. So if we look at the transits of Pluto, we can go back to 1939 where Pluto went into Leo, stayed in Leo for a very long time until... 1957. And Pluto in Leo 
was very much about transforming the self, finding the self, finding the spotlight for ourselves. And I think that any of us born between 1939 and 1957 probably were the ones who got very self-reflective, but also the ones who thought that therapy was a great idea because we wanted to learn more about ourselves. So it's been a time of, I think, also people stepping up as leaders, as heroes. And I think we can all imagine what happened between 1939 and 1957. A lot of people who thought they were and should be in the spotlight and then had to be defeated. So it's very much a time of the ego, we put it in those words. Pluto went into Virgo in 1957 and until 1971. And I have to say that when I look at a chart and it's Pluto Virgo, I know that individuals born between those times will think, wow, the world is in a terrible place and it needs sorting out and then I can go home again. And maybe that some of you can reflect on that. But I always say, look, yes, the world might be in a bad place, Virgo. And yes, we may need you to come and help us to change things. But remember that you are part of that change, not separate from it. So it's changing ourselves, finding compassion for what's going wrong. Pluto and Virgo can just be critical. And I know that's not true of any of you who are listening to me now. Then in 1971, Pluto went into Libra until 1984. Pluto in Libra was very much about transforming relationships, transforming the way families were. So really, we saw a huge shift between 71 and 84 about what makes up a family unit. We had far more blended families. But I also meet a lot of people in that, that zone who are caretakers of other people. Libra has a tendency to think of others before thinking of themselves. So they became the, the children often became the caretakers of their parents. And if I speak to them, they'll tell me about the other person's problem rather than how they're going to transform and work with their own needs and put their own needs forward in, in many ways. 1984 until 1995, Pluto and Scorpio, a very intense time, a very, a very deep time. Uh, yes, there was an increase in drug taking, abuse, but it also exposed a lot of corruption and abuse that was going on. Uh, the Berlin Wall came down during this time. Communism collapsed. A lot of collapses of structures that were not meant to be there. Um, probably, it, I think we saw more change during that time than we did perhaps during this Pluto Capricorn energy. Then from, Pluto, from 1995 until 2008, then we had Pluto and Sagittarius. Pluto and Sagittarius transforming uh, ideas, transforming the truth, speaking the truth, uh, reconciliation. So we saw the trials of reconciliation in South Africa really just trying to get to the truth. You see, Sagittarius is not particularly emotionally involved. It can get very angry. It can get very fired up, but it doesn't wish to attack. It wants to find the truth and move on. And so here we, the next one was Pluto going into Capricorn in 2008. And now we're going to have Pluto going to Aquarius from 223 until 2044. And again, I'll speak more about that another time. But all of this says that Pluto is being the goddess of the underworld, as I like to say, she is a time of transformation. And allowing that transformation to come is really important. And I think the transition that we're going to see over this next, as I say, few months, 
as Pluto goes backwards and forwards between Capricorn and Aquarius is Aquarius, as I say, is not emotional. So we're going to see a lot of drama or people trying to be dramatic and, and trying to distract a little bit. Uh, you know, look at me, I'm causing all this drama where the Aquarian energy is saying, uh, carry on, but actually we need to move forward. So I feel the Aquarian energy is going to bring in not a coolness or a detachment, but much more of a solid energy to say, we're not going to play these games anymore. We're going to always be thinking of how this is affecting the whole. And personally, I hope that's how it's going to happen, that individuals are not going to be able to use this dramatic energy they have or their, their storytelling or whatever they do to influence the movement that we need to go forward with. So we'll talk more about that at another time. But let me just come back to the reason I want to do a meditation is I feel that sometimes if you have been on that journey of always being the giver, not receiving, always being the one that served others, not necessarily being served, sometimes we don't trust who it is that will be there for us. And that's what I found when I asked that question, do you give more than you receive? And I get about 75% of people put their hand up. And then I say, why don't you receive more? And they will often come up with words like, what if nobody's there for me? Or what if what I ask isn't given to me? It's better not to ask. Or maybe I'll be seen to be weak. I've got to stay strong. And I realized, so for so many, there is nobody to nest into. And I like to use that word nest rather than rest even. It's like, who do you nest into? Nesting is a comfort. We, we might relate it to a mother figure, but it, it really can be a father figure or, or grandmother figure or grandfather figure. That, that sense of something maybe larger than ourselves or stronger than ourselves in that moment who we can rely on to be there, that we can trust that they're not going to fall apart if we fall apart. And that might be your pets. Maybe it's your horse. Maybe it's your dog. Maybe it's a friend. But I'm also sad often that when I ask that question is when I hear people say, I don't trust anybody. There's nobody there for me. So I have to say, I then rely on, well, is there a tree you would lean against? Or will you lie into your bath and let the weight of the bath take you? We all need to let go at some point. We all need to trust. And I know that there have been times in my life where that sense of responsibility, that burden of responsibility, and I will call it a burden, has weighed me down so heavily. And I remember going into a very small church that some of you may know that is, looks out onto the Teton Mountains. And that just so happened I think the, the preacher of that day, and I was really sitting outside listening, he used those words from Matthew that Jesus spoke. And they said, come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I just burst into tears. I hadn't realized I was burdened. I hadn't realized I was carrying heavy loads. But I was. And when I felt into it, it wasn't necessarily that anybody else had asked me to carry those heavy loads. It was my own sense of a mission. It was my own 
commitment to myself. It was the rules I'd given myself that I should do this, I must do this. Do any of you relate to that, that inner critic, but maybe also that the part of you that drives you? And I also understood that sometimes when I go deeper than that, that driving force to be responsible, to help others, to move people, to try and help them to change, which is, again, impossible, as we all know, comes from my own deeper sense of feeling into other people's energy. And almost a sense of, if I don't do this, somebody's going to die. Of course, that fed very well into my medical career. But it wasn't so much that I was going to die or even they were going to die. It was their suffering. And I wonder how many of you over these last few years have felt into that suffering of humanity, that knowing, not necessarily a physical struggle, but they're emotionally struggling, mentally struggling, maybe even choosing, as we might say, to stay in that struggle. And they may be your loved ones, they may be your friends, they may be your family. And to be able to stay and stay in that place of compassion without taking on their wound or their unhappiness is a real gift. We can't fix, we can't change people, we can't rescue them. All we can do is be present. But when the presence even becomes a heavy burden, and that's when we have to give, give up that heavy burden to those who can carry it, those who are strong enough. And I remember my lovely friend, Rose Perry, a wonderful Tahunga in, in New Zealand, saying that when she came back from Europe one time and she'd been involved with the energies of the women that had got killed during the Inquisition times, the burning of the witches, she said, I had to lie on the earth for many days and ask the earth to take my tears. And she said, do that often. She's big enough. It's not that we're burdening Mother Earth with those tears, but we say, Great Mother, please take these from us, from me. I am too heavy laden at this time. And so if you're happy, let us do a very simple meditation. Again, only do this if you're in the correct place where you can close your eyes. Otherwise, just wait a little while until you are able to close your eyes and you can lie down. I think it will be a good place to rest against a, a large cushion if you want, to be in a place where you can really lean back. So when you're ready to close your eyes and just to take a few breaths, short breath in, long out breath down through your body. Feel the weight that you've been carrying, the weight of responsibility, the weight of service, shoulders, neck especially, heart, the weight of taking care of everybody's emotions around the sacral chakra, the womb. Where do you feel that weight? And have the courage to say inwardly, I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. Too much. 
recognize what happens to your body when you say, I should do this, I must do this, I must climb this mountain. What does it feel like when you're constantly pressurizing yourself? And we are now going to go through our hearts into a beautiful place in nature. And I'm going to suggest that in your place in nature, there is a gorgeous, strong tree. It can be a tree that you recognize from your own homeland. It's a tree where there are no insects that might bite you because you're going to sit down and lean against that tree. We're not hugging the tree. We're going to let that tree and its very strong trunk support our body. Just feel your back, your neck, your head relaxing, your heart relaxing, your breath slowing. Let your legs be heavy. If you want, that tree's trunk can soften, become like a gorgeous pillow, gorgeous cushion. Before you doze off or fall asleep, you see that there are beings slowly coming up to you, whispering together. So pleased that you are taking a rest, letting the tree take your weight, nesting into it. And all the heavy energy is being drawn back into Mother Earth, being spread out, and Mother Earth and the mycelium, all the beings under the earth are saying, We'll take that from you. We can clear you of that heavy energy. These different spirit beings, some of them elementals, nature beings, some of them spirit guides, coming closer and closer to you now. And they're all carrying little gifts. Gifts of remembrance of what you have achieved in your life. One might step forward with a photo saying, do you remember this? Do you remember this moment of achievement? necessarily an outward achievement, maybe something you did where you had a personal achievement. You look at the photo and you say, job well done. Another carries maybe a gift such as flowers, maybe flowers that are coming from all the people who you've helped in your life. Maybe they're bringing chocolates as well. But they're bringing flowers and chocolates to thank you. And behind this particular spirit are all those people, both dead and alive, whose lives you changed because of your presence. Job well done. Another spirit moves forward, and it's someone from your family lineage 
I want you to see somehow, maybe through some object, how you've changed the path of your family because of your actions. Maybe they give you some object that is a family memento. Say, because of you, future generations will go in different directions. And now, a member of your star family. You may not know them. You may not know which star. It doesn't matter. But they've come from far away to celebrate you. And they have an object to put around your neck. It may be a necklace, a scarf, some flowers. But you bend down and it's like being given a medal after winning a race. They say, well done. You have represented us very well. You have allowed us to be stronger, more present because of your presence on this earth. There is no need to give thanks or get up quickly. You can rest there as long as you like. And they're very happy to sit with you, support you, stroke you, massage you, whichever you need. Because this is your time, your turn. Time to rest, time to nest. Those who are ready to come back, just gently bring your awareness back into the room where you are. Others can just stay where they are. And I give blessings to you all until we meet again next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on Christine's channel on YouTube and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heart Speak.